of overcomers. I pray that you're getting something out of this. I pray that you're able to put it to work in your lives and you can let God do what he's wanting to do. He's getting us ready, folks. He's getting us ready because it ain't going to be long. Uh, we're going to do some things next week, Lord's willing, if we get here. and going to have some numbers and some statistics and ideas and things, and it will blow your mind. But we've got to keep laying the foundation or keep building on what we have from week to week. So I'm going to, I'm going to recap just a smidge for you. Some of it you've heard. Uh, some of you heard Sunday night. Um, if you've been having to miss, been having to work or what have you, these messages are online. You can check them out. I urge you to because there's a lot of there's a lot of meat in them and you can't get it all just sitting here. It just got it has to keep coming in and it has to keep being applied. But last Sunday morning we talked about what sin is. So what is sin? It's disobedience. Disobedience to the word of God, to the command of God. Now we have a I didn't tell you this part last week, but we have the word which is written down. That's the logos disobedience that we can have. We also have the rhema, which is when God speaks to you. You're praying. You're asking God, and maybe he tells you that you need to go and talk to Bob. I don't know, whatever it might be. And when we don't do that, then we get into another place of disobedience of not following God, and that's called sin. And last Sunday night, we talked about sin's power. Um, Genesis 4 and 7 says, If you do well, you will, not be, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you that you should rule over it. This is God talking to Cain. And he's telling him, if you do well, then that's great. Woo-hoo. If you don't, sin is lying at the door, and it's going to come in. It's waiting to come in, and we are to rule over it. Its desire is to get you. Its desire is to get me. That's what sin wants to do. That's, the, that's what it is. And we're talking about the sin's power. And this is true for every single one of us. Sin wants to enslave us and control us. It is a deceitful, seductive, and powerful foe. Don't mess with it. Sin is just that. He said if you do well, what he's saying is his genuine obedience will slam the door on sin. It can't come in. Genuine obedience to the word of God, to the will of God. Romans 6 and 16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Obedience to God is righteousness. It's that simple. Obedience to God. Following what he gives us. You see, Jesus, whenever we invite him into our heart and we believe on him, we become one with God and we possess his divine nature. We have the ability. Don't listen to the lies in the world. We have the ability to overcome sin. Did you know that? If you agree with me on that, say amen. Because if you don't, we've got to do some building. We've got to do some more building. It's not, okay, I'm a sinner and I'm okay because I'm saved. 
No, it's not. It's not okay. We've been building that up all along, showing it in the Bible, and we can't do away with what the Word says, so we have to listen to it. You see, God's grace is the empowering force that not only saves us and forgives us, but it strengthens us to obey truth. I gave you a scripture last week, Hebrews 12 and 28. says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Grace is a tool. Ain't that what it says? If you don't agree, let me know. So we, let's hash it out. Let us come together and reason. It, it's actually something we have that gives us the power to follow God. So why is it so many Christians are unsuccessful in mastering sin? If we fail to use the power that God has given to us, then we can't benefit from it. And he gives us the ability, folks, to choose. And he will never, ever override our ability to make a choice. There are a lot of people in this world that don't know Jesus. I think a buddy and his family up there, they've had a lot of tears flowing, but I'm going to tell you what, we have done some laughing in that hospital room. The people at the hospital just couldn't understand what was going on. Some of the nurses said, boy, we hope we have what you have. You know why they have what they have? Because they got Jesus, and he comforts you in your time of need. And not only that, you got the promise. Buddy's just going on ahead. If Jesus comes back today, we get to go meet him. If we're saved, if we're ready. If we're not, we don't. It's that simple. And that gives us some hope. Just for our brother. But not only that, we get to see Jesus face to face. We get to see God face to face. And man, that's just something that is so exciting. And thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. But he gives us the choice to choose whether we will follow him or not. And if we choose not to, sin gets the upper hand in our lives, folks. And the only way that can happen is that sin convinces a believer that it has something more to offer than obedience to God. Right? I used to say this myself. Well, you go to hell, well, I'll be down there with my buddies. No, you won't. It's going to be misery. You'll be with your buddies, but it ain't going to be sitting around the card table or whatever. Whatever it is that you and your buddy. It ain't going to be that. It's going to be bad. It's going to be destruction. It's going to be, it's hell. It's going to be disappointing. It's damnation. It's not going to be fun. It's not at all going to be fun. And so, we have to decide whether or not we're going to serve God or not. 1 Corinthians 15 and 56 said the sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin is the law. And I gave you this example last week. Last week. Just what does that mean? I shouldn't watch this movie because it has profanity and nudity. I need to tithe. I shouldn't be looking at that woman over there who's got on scampy clothes. Do you see what I just said? I shouldn't or I need. It has nothing to do with what we will to do. It's because God has constrained us. And we see, we see that that relationship with God is simply that he is constraining us rather than that we eagerly want to do his will. In your flesh, you do not want to eagerly do his will. 
you didn't before you were saved and when you first get saved if you don't stay with it if you don't stay tight with God if you don't let the word come in if you don't let the spirit minister you get to that place well I need to do this and I'm going to show you some examples I did it last week and we're going to get there here in a minute you see, a person who is saying such things is someone who is restricted by the Word of God rather than it being their delight. They see God's work as a constraining or a binding force. Look in Psalms 40 and 8. I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will. Not that I've got to do it. I've got to earn my way into heaven. I've got to do No, I delight to do your will. You understand? Let's look in John 7 and 17. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or what, oh, excuse me, or whether I speak of my own authority. This is Jesus talking. Notice he says, wills to do his will. I want to do God's will. Do you? Sometimes it's hard to do God's will in this world when we got people with all kinds of expectations setting on us. That's what Jesus dealt with with Lazarus. Remember that? They got on to Jesus. It's his best friends in the world. If you'd have just been here, Jesus, I can see him cocking their hip out. He wouldn't have died. God had another plan. And Jesus followed God rather than following his friends. He was weeping simply because they didn't believe he could do what he could do. He was weeping because they jumped onto him because he was following God. And that's why sin can enter in on us. Do you understand that? It can come in on us and it's, it's, sin is it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad news. You see, basically what the person is saying is, I'd like to, but God won't let me. That's the power of sin. That's how it comes in your door. If you've got something going on in your life right now and you know with inside of you, I'd like to, but God says I shouldn't. There is a difference in saying God says I shouldn't and I'm not going to. Well, I want to, but God won't let me. You can kick out. There is a difference. And see, when a message like this or a warning, which is what this is, in fact, the epistles in the New Testament are written to churches. They are warnings to the people who had gotten off track. And so whenever something like this comes, many of the people who feel that way feel like they've been beaten up. You're not getting beat up if you're getting a warning. You see, they want to live how they want to live, and they use grace as a crutch to say, okay, well, I'm good to go. I never have to face it. That's wrong teaching. The other side of the coin is, is there are people who use that grace thing to beat people up with and to judge. Both are wrong. Both are very prominent doctrines, I would say, I guess you could say, in the church today, and both are wrong. It's not to beat people up. It's not to judge anyone. It's God coming in and saying, I've given you grace. You see, the day I was born, I was in sin. And there were a bunch of times that Jesus came and knocked on my heart's door, and I said, now, I ain't got nothing to do with this. You're too constraining. I can't live how I want to live. You know the stories, right? I know them. I said them. And that was grace. Something would have happened, and there's a few times I know God was looking out for me. Should have died. That was grace. It's plain and simple. Then one day over here, I wanted him in my heart. Now the day I got saved, y'all heard me say it before, I didn't know nothing about the Bible. Not a thing. 
nothing. And had I died on the way home that day, I would have went to heaven because I didn't know better. But whenever we do know better, grace extends that time frame. You understand? Grace says, okay, and, God, and I've told you all this, God will use these little things. He's going to talk to you in his word. He's going to talk to you in your prayers. He's going to send somebody to talk to you, maybe the pastor. Maybe that's what's going on right now. I don't know for everybody or somebody or nobody. Maybe it's somebody's going to see it online. I have no idea, but that is God's grace being now extended out. See, once you know about it, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So once it gets laid out to us, then we got to follow what God gives us, and we then make a choice. I like that or I don't like that. We either step in line with God or we turn our back on God. We make the choice, but he may say, you know what, I'm really wanting this one, and then hardship will come. He will use affliction. He'll use these kinds of things to get our attention. Amen? Wake up, because I know we had to get up early this morning. Say amen or something. Woohoo or something. I don't know. Oh, me. That's a good one. You see what I'm saying? And so I've heard people say, man, the devil's really been on me. They say, Are you sure it's the devil? It might be God talking to you. He's been talking to you for five years and you ain't listened yet. I don't know. But you need to find out from God what it is. You see, grace gives us the power to serve God. And make no mistake about it, unrepented sin leads ultimately to death. Just look at the book of James. The book of James, folks, is written to believers. We'll go to James 5 and 19. First word, what's it say? Now, who's he talking to? See, he's talking to believers because the other ones are called the world or Gentiles, if you find it in Scripture. Those are unbelievers. He is talking to brethren. Brethren, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, you mean that can happen? Yes, it can. If any of you wonders from the truth and someone turns him back, who's the someone? Us, believers. Pastors, teachers, and every believer. We are a royal priesthood. You don't get out of it just because you ain't got a card hanging on you all ordained by some group. You are a royal priesthood. So if someone, the someone is you and me, turns him back, well, that means he must have been heading somewhere he shouldn't have been going to turn back and go the other way, right? Let's go to the next one. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways. Now stop right there. He called this brother now a sinner. Do you understand what we're seeing here? You now went from being a follower of Christ to a sinner. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. If you turn him from the error of his ways, he will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Did you see that? Save a soul from death. I'm a believer. If I died today, it doesn't mean that I've died. I died already when I got saved. And when I take my, like brother buddy, when I take my last breath in this world, my next one is with the Lord in glory. Amen? That's exciting. That's exciting. But, notice, turns a sinner from the error of his way and saves a soul. Do you get that now? 
Now, either James didn't know what he was talking about, or 29,999 religions around this world today that's called Christianity, we'll get into them numbers next week, missed it. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't have everything right, and I'm quite certain our, our, our denomination doesn't have everything right. We're always searching to grow. The history of our church shows it. But see, that's the difference. When you're eager to grow, God will take you. When you ain't eager to grow, now you've slipped into sin and the de deception moves in. The deception moves in. He's talking to brethren and their souls can die. And he ain't talking about this body dying and you going to heaven. No, he's talking about eternal destruction. That's how a soul dies, right? Do we understand that? can't go any further unless you get it because none of it will make any sense you can't do that you can't a soul goes to death last week we talked Sunday night we're getting there now we got 32 minutes last week we talked about, about a fellow by the name of Balaam in Numbers chapter 22 anybody remember the story of Balaam I'm going to go through it real quick it boiled down to there was a guy by the Moabite king by the name of Balak the Israelites are coming up through the land. They're on their journey. He sees them coming and he says, hmm, these guys are pretty powerful. I mean, they was in Egypt and all the firstborn of people died. Their crops were destroyed. Their cattle were destroyed. The land was destroyed. Their economy was destroyed. Not only that, the army followed them into the ocean that was opened up and then swallowed them up and the whole army's gone. And we don't need that. And they did some stuff with the Amorites, so we don't need that. And he says, but I heard of this prophet. Now, I want you to tell you about him. He worshipped Yahweh, God, not some other God. And his name was Balaam. And he said, I've heard about this guy, and whoever he blesses is blessed, and whoever he curses is cursed. So he sends some guys up to talk to him. These guys show up. And they said, look, we want you to come, our king wants you to come and wants you to curse the people of Israel. Now this prophet of God, okay, now I want you to understand, I want you to tie it in with believers how we can fall away. He says, well, let me go pray about it. Y'all stay tonight and let me pray about it. Number one, he didn't need to pray about it. This is God's covenant people. That's basically what God said, who are these people to me? You, you really got the nerve to pray and ask me, should I destroy them? This is my covenant people. I don't know these people. But he tells him nonetheless, don't go. So what does he do? He comes out and he says, well, I can't go. The Lord has refused to let me. Do you hear what he said? What he's in essence saying, I want to go, but God won't let me. He wouldn't step outside of the boundaries of what God had laid, but inside of his heart, he wanted to go. Now, the devil had been studying him, just like he does you and me. What did the devil do? Sends them back. These guys come, and it's another bunch of guys coming. Now they're offering money and all kinds of stuff. Now, if my neighbor offered me something, it don't mean much. But if a king offers me something, if Donald Trump offered me something, it'd mean a whole lot more than if Eddie offered me something. You're my neighbor. Y'all get what I'm saying, Right? But he shows up and they come in and they say this. Come and curse these people. 
And instead of him saying, God's already said no, no, this idiot has to pray again. I did say idiot. You can amen it or not, that's okay. This is how I talk. This guy wasn't very smart, and he had to pray again. Does that help? So he prays again, already knowing what God's will is. Says, all right, boys, stay tonight, and let me just see what God has to say about it. So God tells him again, no. Don't go with them. He comes back and says, well, even if I wanted to, I can't because God said no. He still wants to go, even though the deal was sweetened up a little bit, like God's going to change his mind over that stuff. The one who owns the cattle of a thousand hills, the earth, everything in it. Some king ain't going to offer God something. But Balaam was like, well, maybe this better deal is it. Maybe God would just have me to hold out for a better deal. No, don't go. Stick around, boys, and let me talk to him again and see what he has to say. Now, do you understand where we're going with this? So God appears to him that night and he says, all right, go. And he goes. God told him to do it and he goes, but look what happens in verse 22 of chapter 22 of Numbers. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. What is that all about? What is going on? He didn't get it the first time. And so here he is. He's going to go. He's going to follow. I want to make a statement to you, and I want you to listen to this. If we really desire or covet something, and God has communicated his will on the matter, whether through his word or through prayer, and we still desire it, God will give it to us. Even if he knows it's not best for us, and we will ultimately be judged for it. I'm going to give you some examples. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Remember the people went and said, we want a king. We want a king. Look here. And said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. He's talking about Samuel. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. You see, God basically then answers him and says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a king, but it's not good for you because what's going to happen? He's going to draft all your sons into the army. He's going to make them work the fields. They're going to have to plow and plant and harvest. They're going to do all that. He's going to take your best cattle and your best sheep and all your best livestock, and he's going to be giving it to his, his governors, his people that's going to serve under him. Not only that, he's going to take your land too. Some of the best vineyards he's going to take for his own. It's going to be his, and he's going to use that. And your wives, your women, they're going to have to cook and clean for him, make perfumes. They're going to do all this work. You're going to be living in bondage under this man. And it's not good for you. And here's what else is going to happen. You're going to ask me to come and rescue you from it, and I will not. I've done told you what not to do, but now I won't come. And so, let's go to verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said no. But we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel did, said to them, to the men of Israel, Every man go to his city. You see, God gave them exactly what they coveted, exactly what they wanted, even though it wasn't best for them. 
And those kings that followed afterwards did exactly what God had warned them would happen. You see, friends, we've got to be able to take warnings or we'll head on some bad paths. We can ask God and ask God and ask God and God say, okay, you're not hearing my voice? Go. Trouble's coming. You say, well, wait a minute, I heard from God. No, you probably heard from God the first time and decided you didn't like what he said. Here's another example. The people flee from Egypt and they grow tired of eating manna. Let's go to Psalms 105:40. And the people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. Remember, they're in the wilderness. It's a miracle that there's bread falling out of heaven. Amen? Anybody seen any bread fall out of heaven at your house? I've got to go to the store and get mine. I must not be living right or something. I've got to go to the store. Brother Murphy, you've you got to go to the store too? We must be sitting in the same boat then. Go to Psalm 78. We'll start there in verse 26. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he brought the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust, feathered fowl like the sand of the seas. He, and he let them fall in the midst of their camp, all around their dwellings. So they ate and were filled, for he gave them their own desires. You hear that? They didn't even have to go hunting, Brother Eddie. They, they didn't have to go sit in a tree stand all day. The meat come to the house. Just go pick it up and cook it. That's a miracle, isn't it? Let's keep reading. They were not deprived of their craving, but while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath of God came against them, and he slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. They hadn't even swallowed what they had in their discontentment. They just kept bugging God about it. God said, I'm going to give you what you want. You need to be content. It was a miraculous thing, but he brought judgment on them. You see, he gives us the freedom to choose whether or not we're going to follow him. The prodigal son, you remember him? Asked his father for his, his birthright and all the, the, the inheritance that went with it. What did he do? He goes over to this town, and he has to be laying in a pig pen, eating slop with pigs before he comes to his senses that, oh, this is not good. What did the father not do? He didn't go over there and get him. He done told him. He had to come out of that and come back to the father. Do you see the picture being painted here? Oh, the father was rejoicing. And that's why, how we are. When people would leave the Lord, they come back to the Lord because you can't leave the Lord. We rejoice. We rejoice because that's what the picture shows us. But you can get exactly what you want. We're in a bad position when we passionately ask God for something that is not his will. Amen. I've got a buddy of mine up in northern Virginia. They've been about 10 years without a pastor. All because they bring them in and try them out like baseball pitchers. Three people like him, eight people don't like him, six don't care. Okay, we'll get another one. And their church is falling apart. Their families are falling apart all because they will not seek God and take what God gives them. Hello. And we wonder what's going on in America. We wonder why things, you're going to, it's going to blow your mind next Sunday morning when we talk about some of these numbers. It's going to just blow your mind. Let's go back to Balaam. Now Balaam is on his way to meet the king, but God is angry at his choice. And what does he do? He puts an angel out to stand against him with his sword drawn. 
You see that? He's on the road heading out. He's done. I'm in the will of God. Woo! What happens? This angel's standing there with his sword drawn. Y'all know this story, right? So this donkey's eyes are open. He, he sees this angel. This ain't a little fat baby with a bow and arrow. This is a warrior with a sword. Probably tall as me. I don't know. I mean, with me up on the stage here. Vicious looking. I mean, he's there to do business. You better know God does business. He shows up and he, 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 does, he takes care of business. So he's standing there with his sword drawn. Now, Balaam, just because he's a prophet of God, does not mean he sees God. I happen to believe this is Jesus. You come to your own conclusions. This message is not to convince you one way or the other. Doesn't matter. God sent him, okay? The donkey sees him. What's he do? Runs off over in the field. Balaam is eager to get over here to where the pot of gold is. He's eager to go do what this guy wants. What does he do? He starts beating the donkey. Leads him back on the path. Old knot-headed thing. What happens? The angel moves. Now he's between a couple of cliffs. The donkey sees him again. What does he do? He turns and runs, crushes Balaam's foot between the wall and, his, and the donkey's side. What does he do? He beats him again. Get back on the path. See, you can't get away from God, folks. Let's hear look what happened next. He goes to a place now where it's so narrow there is no escape. What's the donkey do? He just lays down under him. This time, by this time, he's furious. I've got to get to the pot of gold. I asked God, and I asked God, and I asked God. God said, go, I'm going. And now, you stupid donkey, you won't go. He's beating it again. Because he can't go nowhere. He just lays down. Let's look at verse 28. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and he said to Balaam, Why have you, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Now I don't know about you if a mule starts talking to me. I don't know, will we pay attention or not? We've got a story in the Bible. Folks, the Bible's true. Am I right on that? Can I get an amen? Let's all wake up. Okay, well, amen. The Bible's true. This donkey was talking to this man. Why did you beat me? What have I done to you? Mm. And they had this big heated exchange. Look in verse 32. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. Wait a minute. Didn't God tell him to go? Not originally. Verse 33, and the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. Look at Balaam's response. Verse 34, and Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now therefore... Look at these words. If it pleases you, I will turn back. He admitted that he sinned, but he didn't admit that he had sin in his heart. That's the power of sin. He's still trying to get over on God. Well, if it pleases you, 
You see, the, the law is still a rule over him rather than it being his desire. You get that? See, he'd come against all these things and God had spoke to him in a dramatic way, but he still didn't see his own condition. Brothers and sisters, we have to be at a place that we can see our own condition because God is trying to show us. For two months in this church, he has been showing us, been showing me. I don't know about you, I've been praying. And I pray that you've been praying. Otherwise, and I, this is going to sound mean, but why are you here? Are you doing God a favor by showing up on a Sunday morning because you had to crawl out of bed? Are you earning your way to heaven? No, we're here to learn. We're here to grow closer to the Lord. I'm here to preach the word so that we can find these things, so that we can look at ourselves. See, that's grace. God's saying you're not dead yet, but you have turned from me maybe. I'm not putting this on no one. If God's talking to you, you and him deal with it. Ken's not the judge. I don't see no man's heart. I can't send no man to hell, and I can't get you into heaven. Amen? And so here Balaam is, and he can't see what's going on. He desired that money and those riches, but he was oblivious to the, to the divine instruction of God, the discipline of God. And idolatry had blinded him completely to God's heart. That's what happened. Donkey talks to me, I think I'd wake up. I would hope I would wake up before I got that far. How about you? And this is exactly what happens when our desire outweighs obeying God. It's when we feel constrained by what he commands. The sin grows in strength through deception. The deception of sin. Oh, I'm right. Really? You're only right if it lines up with the word of God. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. Really? You can't pick pieces. You've got to take it all. The whole counsel of God. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, if you're sitting in this church today and you've got unforgiveness in your heart, don't think for a minute if you die you might go to heaven. I'm not God. You better fix it. You better fix it. That's the deception of sin. I'm right. I know what I'm talking about. It grows, and it grows in strength, and we get out of sync with God, and it ain't even apparent to us that we're out of sync. Folks, I have seen it time and again, and I've only been ministering for seven years when my desire gets in the way of what God wants, and the next thing you know, I told you about a family just a few weeks ago, and we know it took ten years for them to get them to the place they're at now, but the family's splitting up. All because they got their feelings hurt. Over truth. Over truth. God will let you walk on that road if you want to. He will let you walk on it. We have to guard our hearts. If Balaam would have embraced what God's heart was, he would have been better off in the long run. But he never really turned truly from his idolatry. His idol was who? Himself. What he wanted. Let's look at what happened to this man. Go to Joshua chapter 13 verse 22. 
The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer among those who were killed by them. You see that? A soothsayer. Do you know what that is? Now, I could preach about psychics today and have this place. Y'all be jumping off of the rafters because we're talking about something we know sin. He was a prophet. Sin's deception took him to the place that he was basically a soothsayer. He was a psychic. He was seeking his advice from evil rather than from God. That's the end result. That is the end result. See, we have to submit our desires to God. If we don't, we'll be led away from him. And he may deliver us over to them, and when he does, bad things are going to come our way. Please don't be deceived by sin, and please don't learn this lesson the hard way, brothers and sisters. Please don't. God will do these kinds of things to us today, and he wants us back. But I promise you, I've heard it before. Boy, the devil's really riding me today. Is he really, or is it God knocking? And we have loved ones who have fallen prey to some of this stuff. We have people who are among us. And if we love them, we won't have a problem giving them the truth. Am I right on that? The result is either this, heaven or hell. If something's sitting in your path that might be taking you to the hell side of it, how can I say I love you if I won't have the conversation? How can I say I love you if I'm more, more concerned about how our relationship's going to be? We can still go out and eat together. We can still do these things together. I really don't love you. I really love the relationship and how it makes me feel. Tonight we're going to talk about this a little bit. So many of the religious leaders in our nation today, the reason our nation's where it's at, will not have those conversations. They're scared to death of losing their following. And they won't come, out, come off clean. They won't come off straight. Conveniently work their way around scriptures. Well, let's not talk about that one. Oh, but we have to talk about it. Amen? It's called a warning. You've got to blow the horn and get the warning. Tonight we're going to talk about the slow-killing poison of desire. You got a song in your heart, brother? Then come and play it. It's my prayer today that we will ask God. I've been giving you prayer directions all along. You don't do it, that's, that's on you. I believe they came from the Lord. Ask God. Search your heart and let you see what he sees. Identify the problem, find out the solution, put it in action. Well, I'm not going to talk to God about it. That's fine. God will allow you to do that. If you die today going home, where's your home going to be? I can't say. But disobedience to God is called sin. 
sin will be, will be judged. Unrepented sin will lead to death. Ask God today, help me. Help me see how you see. In any aspect and area of your life, that's what he wants to do this morning. And I promise you, you say, well, I've been beat up today. Not if you get set free, you'll be rejoicing. If we see how God sees, then we can rejoice. The day that I got saved, I, didn't, I was squirming like a, like a worm in the sun until it hit me. And then I was rejoicing. And there have been times whenever God has been dealing with me since I've been saved that I've squirmed again. And whenever you give in to God, God will minister you through it. You see, He's still working on you. He's the potter, you're the clay. He's still working on you. He finds something that ain't, ain't right in it, He's still working on it. He hasn't given up, it's called grace. Make no mistake about it, there will come a day that He will be the judge. You understand? He will be the judge. Come and pray this morning.